Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Nashville, it's time for Nashville Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the inaugural edition of Nashville Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and we've saved the best for first, folks. <laughs> Paul Klein is with us. He's with Klein Consulting and better known as the host of the Pricing is Positioning podcast. Paul, uh, it's an honor to have you. Hey, John, I'm honored to be here on the uh, first uh, first episode. Yeah, you know, hey, it. I'm glad you're expanding into Nashville, being a new a new uh, resident of the Nashville area. It's it's awesome that you're coming up here and uh, helping helping the businesses grow. It's it's an awesome thing. Well, thank you uh, for that. And I want to get to why you came to Nashville because you're you're a shining example of the kind of talent that Nashville is attracting. But before we get to that, let's let's give everyone an introduction to you and how you're serving folks out there. Yeah, my my big thing is I uh, really like helping people, especially uh, business uh, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, freelancers, people in the knowledge economy, those that are uh, getting paid for what they they know, consultants, those kinds of things. And I've been one of those since two thousand nine. I've been you know W nine K one you know, leave the cave, kill something, bring it home where you don't eat <laughs> and, uh, you know, left leaving the, the, the secure day job and all that. So I know what it's like to be a, a freelancer, a, a solopreneur. And, and that the, I think, uh, Forbes said something like 56 million or almost half the workforce is good. Especially with COVID now, there's a lot of us out there working from home and, and having to carve our own path. And one of the things I found in the last oh, 12 years since I went on my own, uh, bidding thousands of jobs and working with big clients like Target, Neiman Marcus, uh, you know, uh, Taco Bell, Dollar General, you know, bidding those jobs and, and contract negotiations from four figures to six figures, all those good things. I, I kind of learned some things. And then I really started uh, uh, reading a lot of the pricing books from Alan Weiss to Blair Ends to, you know, um, uh, uh, Baker and just all the value-based pricing books and really realized, wow, there's some, there's some science behind this. So what I love helping people do is get over those mindset hurdles on uh, being able to charge what they're worth and charge for value and not getting over on people and being dishonest and trying to get the most money out of a client. But truly creating that win-win or what uh, Rabbi Lappin says in the book, Thou Shall Prosper, you know, getting certificates of appreciation because you provided a great service and it creates the win for the client because they need that service. And it's that, that, that joint effort that really is the sweet spot. So helping people get into that and, and going from a, you know, three or four figure uh, consulting project to a five or six figure consulting project. And, and those types of clients is, is a joy of mine. That's awesome. Now I want to, dive deep into that here shortly, but let's at least give a nod to your current, your other current consulting business. Um, cause you're still involved in that, uh, because I get that, as you mentioned, you, you've worked with some pretty big companies, but there, but why don't you talk specifically about what you do for them? Yeah. So, um, going back to 2009, when I was, uh, in my dreaded day job, I was 40 years old. I had, had, I had worked again in that, that, uh, traditional job, you know, just stay here till you're 55 and retire. And it was very much in the architectural building inspection construction kind of space. 
But what I did is I, uh, I, I niched down and I became uh, basically an ADA expert. So I said, you know, mm. I want to start my own consulting company. I want to go out on my own. I can't stay in this organization. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur stuck in a bureaucracy. And uh, I've got to be able to carve my own path. And so I really looked at what, and, uh, what's called the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now, for those of you <laughs> that are, are not familiar with California, you know kind of how crazy it is. And one of the cottage industries there was the people that go around suing businesses. And in California... Um, their laws are set up to where if someone uh, has a beef with a business, they can not only sue and get attorney's fees, but they can also sue and get compensatory uh, damages and so forth. So there was a whole like need I saw there for helping businesses avoid those types of lawsuits. And so I started just grassroots local businesses in the Sacramento, Northern California area and, and grew that over many years. And it wasn't too long after that, I got picked up with you know, Yum Brands, Taco Bell, KFC, uh, Target, JCPenney's. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, after about three or four years, I'm working with these huge brands. And so I still do that to this day. I have a, a consulting business and I, my niche spot in that is with QSRs. So a lot of, you know, cr um, uh, Cracker Barrel and uh, Burger King, those kinds of restaurants, fast food, sure. uh, or fast casual is kind of my niche in that space. And then in 18 is when I pivoted um, to uh, my podcast and kind of doing some consulting and coaching on the side. So I coach, I coach the freelancers or the, the, the aspiring consultants that want to go out on their own and still doing my, uh, my, my regular client work. Now, I, I wanted to set that up to certainly give a nod to that business for anybody out there that needs those services, but there's a real lesson in what you did there because niching down, because the, the, that's contrary to what a lot of consultants think about their business. They got to keep it kind of broad so they don't like exclude anybody. Right. And right. you actually lived through that in your business. I mean, you're, you're talking about niching down to ADA and then further down to quick service restaurants, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's really where I'm focused now in that particular space. Mm -hmm. When I first started, we were, we were, uh, we were just kind of a general, I was just like an accessibility consultant or an ADA consultant. And, you know, we picked up a lot of different clients from a lot of different uh, verticals, you know, whether it was hotels or restaurants and everything, which, which is done real well. But, but I find even niching down within a niche is really, it's really counterintuitive, but it really is. It, it provides so much clarity. So instead of chasing everything, you know, it's like, hey, I've got my ideal client and, and any business uh, can kind of um, learn from this. It's like, I mean, even if you're in lawn care or dog dog walking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pick the clients that live in, I guess around here, that might be the Brentwood area, you yeah. know, or some, you know, some one of those really nice neighborhoods, you know, yep. and that's, that's your niche, go after that or do window cleaning in that or, or uh, you know, roof replacement, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and really hone in on that ideal client and then just go all in on that. Doesn't mean you won't pick up other ancillary clients, but the clarity will provide so much around your brand and around your business that it will, it will attract the right clients. And then other people who may not be your ideal client will see that and go, Hey, that'll work for me too. And you'll end up getting business too. So that certainly happened with, with me and my consultancy over the last, uh, you know, 12 years. Sure. Sure. And I guess just talk about your, the the passion that led to uh, getting in the consulting business for consultants around pricing and, you know, maybe some of the issues that, that you confronted and conquered 
that led to the passion to teach others? Yeah, one of the, the things that's really uh, surprises me, I, I made the shift early on in my consultancy from billing by the hour. I had been working by the hour as a professional for many years, then a mid-manager. I was on a salary position where that's where you work as many hours it, it needs, but you get the same amount of pay. You don't get overtime. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and managing and babysitting all the staff and, and the budget and everything. Anyway, that, that's why I left that corporate organizational space when I was 40 because I had had it. But the, the shift from, from people that go from an organization or a corporate world or from day job to consulting is they keep that mindset of getting paid by the hour. Well, if you try to bill for every hour as a consultant or a solopreneur, I mean, you, you're, you're the accountant, you're the marketing agency, you're, you know, and many small businesses, brick and mortar, same thing. You're, you're wearing all kinds of hats. One minute you're the janitor, next minute you're the, the marketing director. And mm-hmm. so you've got to move away from hourly billing and, and that whole process of being paid for time. And that's one of the biggest things most people get caught up on is they think that, that they can only charge for their time. And the more difficult a job is or a profession is, the higher you should be paid. It's like, no, no, you, you're getting paid for your expertise. We're in this knowledge economy, as uh, Drucker said. And, and, and I mean, we're not in the, we're kind of in the dawn of it, but I mean, really that it's that whole idea about um, identifying what your clients' uh, outcomes and desires are, what their, what their true end result is with your brand and, and helping them achieve that. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. I mean, if, if you've got to go to John, if you've got to go to the doctor for a toothache, you know, you don't care if it takes, you know, five minutes or, or 10 hours, you just want that toothache fixed, that pain to go away. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you almost pay anything when, if it's a root canal or whatever, yep. you know, it doesn't matter how long the doctor takes to fix it. You just want it fixed and you want to fix now. And so shifting, that's one of the biggest mindsets, shifting from, uh, being time and materials and being paid for your expertise and the value you bring to your clients and their outcomes. That's yeah. a big, big one. Yeah, for sure. Now, you, you t- teach a lot about value, and, and that's what you're talking about there is value. And, right. and, and how, what, so what's the interplay with value and pricing in terms of the way you look at it? Yeah. First thing, I mean, first thing is value is very subjective. So it means different things to different people and what's valuable to, you know, my son will pay $300 for a pair of LeBron James sneakers and, you know, I'll go to pay less and pay $5 or $10 for something just to get me by, you know, and uh, you know, so value is very subjective, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's, there's things like called value based pricing, um, you know, or value out outcome based pricing, those kinds of things. And the whole idea is that it's identifying what your product or service brings to your clients and, and delivering it to them with excellence. And then also no matter what the value the, the price that you charge, um, can never be more than the value that you're providing your clients, or at least in their minds. So they have to be getting more value than what they're paying for. So for instance, you, you, you know, would never charge $20,000 for a 1979, you know, uh, gremlin. Mm. But if I said you could have a McLaren, you know, <laughs> or a Bentley for $20,000, well, there your value 
the value or the perceived value of that car is so much greater. So it's all about identifying that value to your clients and then making sure that the value that they're getting is so much higher and greater than, than what, uh, than what they're paying. And this, and there's, there's all, there's so many different things you, you can carve up underneath value, you know, uh, you look at you look at what people pay to take jo- little Johnny and Sally to Disneyland on their tenth birthday. You know that's an experience. Mm. It only happens once in a lifetime, or a prom, those kinds of things. So if your products and services are wrapped around those kinds of experiences, well, then you can identify those and charge a more premium price because you're not just going to the carnival in the parking lot at Target. You're going to Disneyland at Disney World. You know, it's a, it, it's, you know, it's a big, it's much higher value and, and positioning uh, your brand and your services around that instead of, and what, mo- what happens in most people is they just, they commoditize themselves. They just say, you know, they just really, they, 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 they compete on price and, mm-hmm. and it's usually the lowest price because, and they're just being regarded as a, a commodity and that's just the quickest way to the bottom. Yeah. For sure. Folks, we're here chatting with Paul Klein. Paul is the host of the Pricing is Positioning podcast on all your uh, major podcast uh, applications. And uh, he's also a consultant and teacher. We've got we've got some more information coming up on that, on the work he does with consultants and freelancers and coaches and what have you. Um, Paul, you know, I'm I'm uh, address the question about pricing what I'm worth, because you hear a lot about that, right? I, I want to get what I'm worth versus pricing value to what the client perceives. What I'm worth. Well, let's, you see. know, how, yeah, those are two different things sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And most of the time, uh, it's your mindset that prevents you from getting those higher rates. Mm-hmm. It's your, it's your own mindset or self-limiting beliefs. It's like, I've worked with people and I even struggled this with, with myself. It's like, man, I can't charge that. I mean, that's, that's obscene, but I've seen it on the other side where the client is going, no, that's a, that's a great value. I mm. mean, that's man, I'll, I'll pay that all day, mm. you know? So, uh, so that's a, that's a big, a big, a big thing that people have to get with is, 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 you know, not selling to your own wallet or what you perceive to be value, but what it is to, to the clients and, and being able to, to dive into that. I mean, cause at the end of the day, you know, the first sale is to yourself, Alan Weiss from million dollar consulting. I mean, that's one of his great lines that I use all the time is mm. the first sale is truly to yourself. If you don't believe you're worth it, you'll never get that. So if you're struggling with those higher values or rates and so forth, and you're, you're hitting yourself against a brick, you're hitting a brick wall in your fees or your rates, it's, there's probably some underlying deep, um, belief that you're not worth it, or, you know, you're just a, this kind of consultant. There's really not as much value there. Um, the imposter syndrome, uh, what I do is just anybody could do. And the other component to that is so many times, you know, if you're a, a CPA or, a you know, a, an accountant or, you know, branding specialist, whatever it is, you look at other people and you, you think, oh, well, they're, they're, all, they're so great. And then you look at yourself and go, well, this comes really easy to me. Therefore, it must be not as valuable as I think it is because it comes easy to me. Mm. And so, and that's, that's so far, uh, it's the opposite of that what comes easy to you is golden to somebody else. And sometimes we devalue that or we go, well, that's, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to charge that much because I can just do this in five minutes. Well, <laughs> there you go. You're tying your expertise back to time. Mm. You're, you're commoditizing yourself and so forth. So there's, there's a lot there to unpack, but, uh, oh, yeah. but that's kind of, that's kind of it in a nutshell. You're uh 
you're almost the uh, psychologist to your clients, uh, uh, in, in a sense. But let, your podcast is called the Pricing is Positioning podcast. What, so, what do you mean by that? I mean, what t- talk about positioning? Yeah, because <laughs> the, the, that's why I love that title. When I mm-hmm. when I, I was reading uh, Blarian's book, uh, Pricing Creativity, great book on value based pre- value based pricing, especially for agencies or marketing agencies. So, if you're one of those, I recommend picking it up. Um, but in his book, he had one term in there called pricing is positioning, and it didn't it had to do with what I talk about too, but it, it just, it, it stuck with me. And I, because I was looking for a name for the podcast and it's so true because I found this to be true over the, over the years. And sometimes your price, you're, most of the time you're, you're so concerned about your price being low enough that the client will take it. Sometimes it's low, too low and the client won't take you serious or will, um, you know, will cast you off as an amateur. My friend Ken Davis from Score and wrote, uh, you know, has a movie out called Fully Alive. Great book. But he talks about when he, you know, he was in the faith space and he was doing a lot of work in the um, youth groups and so forth. And he got his first like uh, uh, request to do a corporate event. And it's like, okay, corporate, you know, they got, they actually have real, you know, money, you know, churches mm-hmm. and faith-based organizations, organizations tend to be on very limited budgets. And so when he got the corporate opportunity, he was like, yeah, this is awesome. So they said, yeah, we want to, they call them and they want to, they want to come down. We want you to come down and do our keynote for our annual uh, business meeting and so forth. And they, uh, they asked him what it would cost to have him do that. And he was like, I don't know, a thousand bucks, $1,500 or something like that. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry. We only hire professionals. I mean, they were there in their wow. mind, they were looking for a 10 or $15,000 keynote mm. speaker, not a, mm. not a five or a $1,500 one. So that's where pricing and positioning comes along. If you, if you price, if I told you right now, John, Hey, I have a 2021 Corvette and I'll give it to you for five grand. What comes into your mind immediately? There's something wrong with that thing, right? Exactly. Something <laughs> wrong with it. Exactly. Yeah. So same thing, same thing as a, as a professional service provider, consultant, you know, any, any kind of thing like that. If you're, if you're trying to position for those more affluent people or those higher tier clients and your pricing's way down here at $500 when they're hiring coaches or consultants at five or $10,000, you're positioned, you're, you're out of whack and you're, you're not going to, you're not, those people aren't going to be attracted to you because your price is too low. Yeah, for sure. Now you, you talk about hourly not being ideal, but what is it? How does, what do you recommend? I guess, Number one and number two is how how do you walk your clients through the the change if they're on hourly billing right now pricing by time now how do they make that change in their practice Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's there's basically five what I call five high ticket consulting arrangements, and you know you can call them consulting or coaching or um, you know, freelancing or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. I mean, but, but there's essentially five basic ones. And the first one is that hourly one. And so that's the first thing I have this conversation. I say, John, s- stop charging hourly. If I ask you what your hourly billing rate, I want you to say, you don't have one. If you ask me what mine is right now, I say, I don't have one. And then you start that conversation with the clients. Well, then they'll say, well, then how do you charge? Mm-hmm. And then what I say is, well, you want to have a, a, a daily rate. Um, you want to have a retainer. Uh, and it's a retainer for access, not a retainer like an attorney where they bill every five minutes you call them, but a retainer for access. And then there's project-based billing. And then there's what we call outcome or value-based billing. Mm. 
So I can break each one of those down for you if you want, but, but, but to answer your first part of the question is how do you transition? And so I start with that getting away from the hourly and moving to at least a daily rate. So then what you can do is I can say, okay, don't tell your clients your hourly rate. First off, that's the first step. Don't, don't even have one. Don't, don't ever advertise one. Don't ever have that conversation. Move away from hourly. And even if you use hourly in the back of your mind to justify your, your daily rate or your project rate, just don't disclose that to your clients or make that known. It's not being dishonest. It's just you're moving away from billing for time and materials, a commodity-based arrangement, to a more of a project one. And what the great thing about this is now your clients will start to associate, I'm not paying John hourly for his services. I'm paying a project price for some great value. So I charge, you, you charge me $1,500. I provide you a great you know, branding package or a logo, and it's not tied to the number of hours. It may have taken you two hours or, or 35 hours. A client doesn't care. They got a, a great logo and branding package for $1,500. And that's, that's the important shift right there. Once you've made that step, now you can move up to the to the higher the higher tiers, and as you do that more and get better at it, um, you know, and, and you get more clients and you start to get some some uh, experience under your belt, then you can eventually move to what we call the um, value based pricing or out, outcome based, and that's where you really become a partner with your client. And you go, okay, what are you trying to achieve? Oh, we're trying. We need a new website. Well, what for? Well, we want to increase revenue by how much? Well, we want to make another two hundred thousand dollars a year. Bingo. Okay, now how can I position my services to help them achieve that $200,000? And now my fee should be closer to the, to the value that they're getting. Let's say it's 200,000, 10% of 200,000. You know, boom, you got your fee and, and you, can, you can really move away from the $1,500 now to the five figure um, kind, of, kind of arrangements. Sure. And you counsel your clients about uh, the concepts of anchoring and using options. Let's talk yes. about that. Yeah, those are, that's a great technique that that we also uh, uh, bring into uh, to the whole equation that helps. And this isn't something I made up or or am uh, the uh, guru on. I mean, I, I know it because I, I, that was one of the things that I found working uh, well that I found by default. But it's based in what's called um, pricing psychology or behavioral economics. So if you want to go get a PhD, you can <laughs> Google and uh, YouTube all day long about that, which is what I did because I I was like man, why did I get that job, but not this one? And I'd look back and I'd compare. And then I started reading about this. And the whole idea about anchoring, let's talk about that first, mm-hmm. is price anchoring is in any negotiation, the first number you see or hear anchors the value for that conversation moving forward. So I've done this in my workshops. I'll do 12-person workshops, um, coaching uh, workshops or you know, where, where we work on your pricing and your consulting or building your consulting business. And what I'll do is I'll divide my, my uh, workshop attendees into two. So they'll have six, I'll have six on the left and six on the right. And what I'll do is I'll give them a questionnaire. And group A, I'll just say, what do you, what do you estimate the estimated hourly rate for all consultants in this room is? And I'll just, I'll just give that to them. And they'll inevitably come up with, you know, $150, $200 an hour or something like that. Then on the other side, what I'll do is I'll ask them the same question. What is the estimated hourly rate of all consultants in the room? But before I do that, I'll, I'll, I'll set an anchor and I'll say, do you think the um, average hourly rate of all consultants in this room will be greater or lower than $500 per hour? 
And just by setting that $500 anchor in that same question that I did in group A, group B will come in on average $1,200, $1,300, $1,000 an hour. And that's the whole premise of anchoring. It's that first number you see or hear. So most conventional um, negotiation thought is like, oh, you don't want to say a price until you're, you're, what if you're the seller, you don't want to say a price because your buyer might have a, high, a higher number in their mind. And then if you're the buyer, you don't want to say a price because the seller might have a, a a different number and you might be leaving value on the table. That's totally, totally bogus. What you want to do is you want to, you want to anchor it in your favor. So you either want to lowball it if you're buying or you highball it if you're selling. Yep. And so it's that whole idea about just dropping that anchor. Um, and so what I'll do in my clients is I'll say, I'll have a discovery call. I'll say, Hey, Hey guys, gals, um, this is a, sounds like a great project. I really think we can work together. Um, it's going to be in the $50,000 range. And then you just go silent and let them flop on the floor and foam <laughs> at the mouth or, or let them uh, go. Great. Send me a proposal. Bingo. Bam. You know, you anchored them at 50,000. Maybe you were thinking it was in the 35 range or something, but anchor them a little higher. Most people will say, no, they'll, they'll try to go. Well, if I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be 35, but the client might only want to spend 25. So I'll, I'll come in at 20. I'll drop 20. Well, you just anchored yourself in the opposite direction. So always anchor high is the first, first recommendation. Um, and even in an email with a client, yeah, this is somewhere in the 15 to 25,000 range or whatever. Just drop that, drop the high number, your higher end of what you think it's going to cost. You can always drop uh, lower from there. And then when you use anchoring in, um, in conjunction with what we call price options. And if you look at all the big brands, Starbucks, the car wash, McDonald's with the, with the, the bonus meals and everything, there's always three pricing options and three is generally accepted as the, as the sweet spot. There was a jelly study done many years ago uh, regarding this where they had 26 jellies and the average price uh, per jelly at a supermarket was like $7 a, a buy. And then when they dropped it down to only six jellies, it jumped up like triple because what happens is you can have what's called choice overload. If you have too many options or too many prices, um, it can overload your client. So three options, just like you go to the car wash, you have good, better, best. Sometimes it's called Goldilocks pricing, but three pricing options, a, a low end option, a mid range option, and then that first class VIP you know, Bentley version, that's your high anchor. Mm-hmm. And that anchors your other options down. And more times than not, they'll buy the middle one is kind of the premise here. But, uh, but, uh, but anchoring and options are a very powerful, um, proven behavioral, economical, um, uh, sign, you know, psychology based uh, uh, pricing strategy that all the big brands do. And so we should too, as consultants and solopreneurs. Sure, sure. Uh, folks, we're here chatting with Paul Klein. Paul is the uh, host of the Pricing is Positioning podcast. Paul, talk about choice overload. <laughs> yeah, I kind of touched on that a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, have, I don't know about you, but the last time I went to um, Adobe and tried to buy something, like I, all I want is like Adobe Reader or Adobe Acrobat, and I just want to pay for that. They got, I mean dream catcher this and you got to subscribe to that. And I mean, it's so dang confusing. I just give up and go find a competitor mm. because there's too many choices. I, when you have too many choices or you have choice overload and, and if you're a brick and mortar, this applies to you, whether you're a, an internet based business, uh, knowledge, knowledge based business or knowledge economy based business, or if you're a, a service based brick and mortar, roofing contractor, plumber, um, 
you know, baker, whatever it is. I mean, if you have some type of service and you have way too many um, options or even a menu board, uh, if it has too many options, people will just shut down and, and they won't, uh, they won't buy. And so it's, it's called choice overload. So you really want to, you really want to streamline that and keep it super simple for your clients, especially if you're a knowledge based or a consultant. And that's what I've found over the years is just providing those three options. Hey, I can do, here's the deliverables. Here's what you're looking for. Here's option a, um, which is my high anchor VIP, you know, um, super deluxe Bentley version. If you don't want that, I got a mid range option here. And if you don't want that, I got a really economic one down at the bottom. And then what I do is I'll play with my um, deliverables. I'll play with my payment terms and also access to me because time is the most valuable comp commodity <laughs> we have, you know? Yep. And so the lower options generally don't have as much involvement with me or direct access to me, but the, but the first class uh, ticket, just like on an airplane, you know, the, where you get the wine and the, and the, and the, the better snacks and the extra leg room. Yep. I have those options as well. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and you also advocate a one page proposal. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about why that is. Same, same idea. It all kind of, it's all works together. Okay. <laughs> so all these strategies kind of work together. So, uh uh, bidding your bidding your at least in the consulting space. I can't speak to I can't speak to say uh you know if there's a a, a baker or a um you know cookie <laughs> cookie maker or something out there that you know it doesn't I don't know that it applies to to the physical products as much. But in the consulting and professional services space, absolutely. And what you do is you know as you're moving away from hourly and doing more project based uh, proposals. You're invoking the anchoring and options that we talked about, high anchor, uh, mid, low. And then when you present this to the client, I had been doing this for years and it was Blair N's book who also advocates for a one-page proposal. It's like, wow, that's why that makes sense. I mean, I've, I've, I've done the old way early on in 2010, 2009, you send the 25-page proposal with all your resumes and all your previous projects and all this fancy stuff you know, to, to try to impress the client. You know, and what does everybody do? And I've been on the other end of this too. We flip to the back, like, the very last page where the prices, <laughs> the right. pricing sheet is, and that's all we look at. We don't care about all the fluff. So set yourself apart from everybody else. Just send in a one-page proposal with your high anchor on the left because we read left to right. Or if it's on your web page, make your high anchor the first option you see as you're scrolling down your page. Which a lot of people make that mistake. They'll put their low price first, and then when they see the higher prices, they're shocked. So start with that high. High priced um, offer first on the left side of the page or on the top of a scrolling page, then your mid price um, option in the middle, and then you're on your low price, um, your low price option on the right. And just keep it super simple. Bullet points. You don't need to get into all the legal jargon and disqualifiers and all this uh, at this point has been my experience. Keep it simple. Make it easy for the client to commit. Once they say, yeah, we like option two. Okay, boom. Now you can send them a contract, you know, all the legal jargon you need in your vertical or in your your industry, you know, to 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 make it uh, you know, cover your cover your rear end and all that stuff. But don't need to do that till you got a, a viable client. And a lot of times what we do as consultants, coaches, freelancers is we overload our clients with all that info up front before they've even committed. And it, it goes back to what we talked about a minute ago, choice overload. It's like, oh, this is too complicated. I'm gonna go with this other vendor over here because it's much simpler. Well, it strikes me that if if you, if you haven't been able to winnow down what you're offering to a client 
to three choices and in a very succinct manner, like a one-page proposal, uh, you haven't had an effective value conversation. Correct. You're still guessing <laughs> yes. at, at, at where, where, the, where the value is for that client, right? Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. If you have a really good value conversation or a, a, a very in-depth uh, discovery call with them to really find their needs, you can put those pain points and those things that are very important to your clients in those in those bullet points in a very simple, distinct um, manner, you know, project meetings every, uh, every week on Monday, um, 24 hour response on phone calls and emails. Uh, if it's the low option, it's two weeks, you know, payment terms, you know, the things that really make it easy for them uh, to engage with you. And, and through that discovery or that value conversation, you can really hone in on those. Now, some, the higher, the higher, the more zeros my experience has been is, um, like I typically, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a six figure bid, generally those are so in depth conversations. I end up drilling down in that value conversation or in the discovery calls or pre meetings or whatever. So by the time we get to that point, we're just solidifying everything. And so I generally, my experience has been, and other people may have something different, um, is that the higher, the higher, uh, the higher end, um, the higher ticket, I guess. That's like six figures and above. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're bidding jobs over a hundred thousand dollars, generally those are going to be, you know, I find I don't generally use a, end up using a a, a three page proposal because those are much higher involved relationship building conversations. So by the time we get to that point, it's already we already know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas four and five figure projects, fifteen twenty thousand dollar range, where it's it's a very repeatable product or service that you're doing, you know, and you're, you don't have quite as uh, in-depth conversations. You, you, you can use a, the three page. Although I have used the, the three option single page proposal for, for six figure projects too. And it, it, it all works. It doesn't matter how many zeros are behind there, whether you're doing a $300 project or a $300,000 project, the, the, the psychology works the same. I love it. Um, so let's talk specifically about how you work with clients. Uh, uh, we, you're, you're working with consultants, freelancers, lancers, coaches, solopreneurs, you know, that's kind of your target, but how, how do they engage with you? What are, what are your, what are your options you offer? <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a couple things. I mean, I have the free podcast, lots of free res- resources out there. Mm-hmm. And if you go to my webpage at paulkline.net, I have a free um, pricing quiz, which is tied into my hairband days, which I used to have long hair and I know that's kind of can be a little bit, uh, don't want to advertise that too much down here in the South being from <laughs> California. I looked, as you know, John, I looked a little wild, uh, back in the eighties. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you, uh, you look good, man, but you know, it, you know, whatever. It was a different time. That's it was, sure. it was, but, uh, Hey, I was an entrepreneur just putting on the, the show for the, for the, uh, for the business side of it, but there you go. Another story for another time, but mm-hmm. go, go to Paul Klein. There's a pricing quiz and it's definitely tied into the, the eighties kind of rock star and it rates you on your answer. So you take the quiz and if you're, you know, if everything you answer is based on billing and you haven't invoked retainers, you're going to get a lower score. It, it's a great barometer. You don't even have to put your email in. I know you're supposed to have email as captures and everything, but, I've found actually uh, my conversion rates on that are better when I don't require a, uh, an email. Most people want to put on it because they want to get on my email list because uh, they like the podcast. And then from there, I have what's called um, the Rock Your Pricing 
course and community where you I've put together a great video course. It's super cheap. You know, see, I'm anchoring myself low here, but this is more of an audience, um, uh, an audience building, um, uh, play here. It's, mm. uh, so it's $150. You get like, uh, you know, 20 videos. And I mean, if you just watch the first module, all these things that we're talking about here, you'll, you'll, you'll 10 X that in the first module alone. Once you're on there, then the whole idea is, then I have, um, I have a one-on-one coaching that I do. And so I, I have a, a certain number of clients that I'll take on on a monthly retainer. Mm-hmm. There you <laughs> go. One of the things I teach yep. and it's access to me. We either meet weekly, bi-weekly or monthly, depending on which, uh, which you want. And then I help, help you develop your consultancy. If you're getting ready to pivot, if you're out on your own and you're trying to get more value. And sometimes I have people stay with me for, um, uh, one month, uh, all the way to, to six or eight months or a year even. So it just depends on, on the particular needs for the person. And, uh, so I have certain m- number of those that I do each month and that's pretty much it in that space. Cause I still do have my other consultancy in the, uh, in the ADA, uh, space that I'm still doing. So I only take on so many of those, um, per quarter. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now you, uh, your influence, uh, your clients go, w- go well beyond Nashville. And, uh, and you just moved, uh, here last year from California to Nashville. And I want to, I want to touch on that as, as we can here before we close. Um, why Nashville? What brought you to Nashville? I mean, you're, you're part of the talent influx that's coming into Nashville right now. Well, I appreciate that, uh, that, that, that kind comment that I'm a, a part of the talent influx. Uh, I mean, I, I certainly see that trend and that, that yeah. resonates because what is the old saying you draw, draw from the best and, uh, anyway, whatever it is, but yep. I mean, we, we, uh, we had this in, um, plan. We were going to move. I had been traveling our kids. Let me back up since 2009. My kids were really young, three, three kids in a mortgage, married, you know, heat of the recession. And I go out on my own and create this crazy consulting business. When I had a, I had a predictable benefits retirement and everything. Everybody thought I was stupid. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> my wife was even like, you're miserable in your job, but if you quit, just don't tell me. And so one day we were sitting at the, at the table and she was like, uh, yeah, Monday, do you think you could get off work early so you can take the kids home? I'm, I'm like, I don't, need to take any, I can take any time I want off now. So she's like, no, <laughs> she, she really did what not to be told after all. Right. Yeah. She, yeah. She's like, I, was like, I didn't know how I couldn't, I couldn't say, uh, yeah, I got it. I checked with the boss. I got it off now. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I should have said. But yeah. the, uh, the, anyway, so we, we, we wanted to, after our kids were, um, old enough, we knew we had lived in, in Northern California our whole lives, both of us, um, we knew there was more to life than living in the same place. There's a lot of things to be said for that. And so before it became kind of, um, oh, trendy to move from California due to politics or whatever it is, COVID, I mean, none of that was in our, anyway, we had this in mind. So yeah. we started looking at a lot of different places. I travel a lot. So we spent time up in Maine. We spent time down in Austin and San Antonio, Houston, Florida, you know, and, and I pretty much wherever it didn't snow, wherever the uh, polar vortex didn't hit, that's, that was in play for, for a move. And uh, had a lot of friends down here. My friend Dan Miller from 48 Days, The Work You Love, um, Ken Davis, um, you know, uh, Karen Anderson from Morgan James Publishing here in Franklin, uh, all great people and just fell in love with the area after coming here for seminars and workshops and stuff. And, and it just kind of developed over about two or three years. And I love the business climate. I love the, 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 the music industry, the 
the just the entrepreneur spirit, the freedom of of business that there is here. It's so much different than California. I mean, uh, just just I formed a, a an LLC here. And boy, it was so much easier than where I was before. It was so much red tape. And it was like, there's so much, um, there were so many things, uh, uh, what's the word, um, trying to tell you not to do a business. Whereas here <laughs> it was like, Hey, yeah, it, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. It's oh, just amazing. Yeah. The people, the community is just so much more entrepreneurial in business. And I just love that about Nashville and, and the history and the culture is just awesome here. That's great. That's great. Paul Klein folks. Uh, he's, uh, the pricing is positioning podcast is his, is his show. But if you are a consultant, uh, coach and you pricing is your problem. Have you ever had a consultant or coach come to you and say, I don't have a problem with pricing. Have you ever had one say, yeah, I have, have you? Okay. Okay. Uh, but it's a distinct minority, right? It's the biggest problem. Most of them have, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So folks, if you've got that problem, if you've got that issue, uh, here's your guy, Paul Klein. Uh, Paul, this has been great. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, but we got to get to the most important question, which is those that have heard something that makes them want to be in touch. They want to sign up for your course or maybe some uh, uh, a discovery call with you. Tell them how they can connect. Yeah, everything's available at paulkline.net. It's like Calvin Klein, <laughs> K-L-E-I-N, or you can just Google pricing is positioning. I should come up. But yeah, everything's at paulkline.net and um, my email's on there and you can uh, find all the information there and love to con- love to connect with you there on, uh, you know, if, if, if there's, if, 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 if I've sparked some interest and uh, you think we might be a good fit and you need some help with your pricing or coaching, consulting, you're going into out on your own and you just want to have someone to bounce that off of um, definitely willing to help you out there. Great stuff. Paul Klein folks, Uh, Paul, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And folks, just a uh, a quick reminder, Paul's got a, uh, are you a rock star pricer quiz? We'll have a link to that into the show notes. So you can uh, uh, go find that and check that out as well. So, folks, uh, this has been our first episode of National Business Radio. We're excited. We're excited about uh, uh, being uh, opening up in Nashville as well. If you want to know more about the Business Radio X network and our 25 studios across the country, go to businessradiox.com. And if you want to find out more information on our Nashville studio, go to nationalbusinessradiox.com, and you'll find our info there. So for my guest, Paul Klein, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Nashville Business Radio.